coaches. I'm not interested in coaching just to coach. I'm interested in coaching strictly to win a Stanley Cup and to see if you can, and, and that's it, nothing else. So, yeah, those are the words of a very determined Daryl Sutter. Um, yeah, no messing around with that guy. Yeah, one of my favorites. So, yeah, I was saying uh, last week, last episode, um, yeah, he's a man of few words, but very impactful. Um, <laughs> pretty hilarious. So that was uh, after, I think, their first or second game. And uh, since then, they've been 4-1. and one. So, um Way to go, Flames, and well done, Sutter. And, you know, I, I thought that was a good quote to start off because it, it kind of echoes the, uh, the the sentiment of the buyer today, particularly in, in Vancouver I'm speaking of. Um, very determined and very focused. They just they just want their property and that's it. And um, the, the market continues to rage on and... Um, and and uh, the buyers are are more determined than ever. And I mean, just this past week, uh, we've we've uh, looked at I think about five or six files that we had where they were crazy, like multiple bid scenarios. Um, you know, anywhere from ten to in some cases twenty competing offers. So the red hot or white hot or whatever you want to call it blackout uh, market continues to rage on. So. Uh, nothing different from last week. And uh, actually, I was thinking this week, you know, I wrote down a list uh, of all the predictions and the forecasting that that I constantly read and and comes across my timeline and and whatever social media. Um, It's just so many variables to nail down, um, like predicting and forecasting in this environment. It's just useless and, and ridiculous. Um, because there's just so many moving parts, so many variables. And the variables, like I wrote down a list of them, and I kind of broke it down into a, a few categories. So the first category, policy, uh, a policy-driven variable. So you have the federal monetary policy, you have provincial policies, you have municipality policies, you have policies from the lenders, so tons of policies. Um, the second category, interest rates. Okay, so that one's pretty easy. And um, the third policy, uh, the economy, just the general economy, and and not just the general, but the various regional um, economies across Canada, which are um, quite different. I mean, when you look at the the policy category there, you have the federal, you have the mortgage rule policies, stress test being the most recent one, Um, but also there's there's other ones that have prior to that. Uh, You have the provincial level in in BC, you had the the various tax-centered policies, uh, like the the foreign buyer tax and the empty home tax, these are all the taxation policies that were geared around uh, curbing the the demand coming into the market. And then, of course, you have the municipal level. And this one, in, in my opinion, is very unique. I believe a space where we could potentially do more, particularly in how to make it more efficient and productive. And I think the impact that municipality inefficiencies, uh, the massive bureaucracy um, has on the price appreciation in Vancouver is significant. And uh, it, takes, like, it takes way too long to do things to you know, give you a very unscientific rationale there. And I, I really think that's too bad because of the, the space, this space, the municipality space. I think it's uh, one of the major pieces of the puzzle that can really tackle this affordability crisis 
and, and really give it some, some legs, you know, to, to bring it back to a level where it could be reasonable from a supply standpoint. So the federal and the provincial governments, they've introduced a bunch of policy that, that they hoped would halt the, the demand side. But as we can all witness, clearly hasn't worked or it hasn't sustained, right? And then uh, you have the interest rates. This, this is also another variable in, in predicting and forecasting the markets. And this is pretty easy theory to understand. As rates increase, many believe that the market will cool. Okay, uh, And we'll see how this goes. And But the, the, the kicker here is no one can say with absolute certainty how long this, this increasing trajectory will, will be, right? So what are we going to get from where we are now to 5% in a couple of months? Or will it be in a decade? Or, or who knows, right? So that's also another um, indicator that, that good luck with your forecasting prediction models. And then there's just the general economy. Um, interesting note here, real estate accounts for almost 10% of, of our GDP, of Canada's GDP. This is apparently the, I've read, it's the highest it's been in 60 years. And when also when compared to other countries, this is uh, this is also super high. Like the U.S. is just under five percent, and we're at ten. So, you know, it's it it's massive. This is a massive part of our economy. Then there is always the uh, you know on the the economic frontier, the oil and gas sector, uh, definitely a metric for Western Canada real estate. And um, everyone knows the story behind that. Obviously, heavily impacted in, in Alberta. Uh, they've been suffering for, geez, I almost venture to say a decade, an entire decade. Um, right now, it, it is on the upswing a little bit, the price of oil. Um, definitely depends what, what you're reading, but I'm convinced that oil will still be around for quite some time. And um, I, I think that is definitely a factor that that's going to prop up and, and improve things in Alberta as well. But um, anyhow, a lot of uh, variables when predicting and forecasting the market. That, that's my point. And it's not as easy and as simple as trending what interest rates are. I think there's just a lot more to it than people think. Me personally, I think it's going to be a, a very strong market for a, a few years to come at least. And then there's immigration and interprovincial migration, and this is uh, uh, keying around what I'm going to be talking about today. So I'll, I'll get into that. I'll dive into that with a little bit more detail. So yeah, a lot of variables: real estate and interest rates, multiple offers and subject-free offers. As I said in the opening here in uh, Greater Vancouver, still all the rage. Um, Interestingly enough, I've I've talked to quite a few of my realtors here before the weekend, and they are starting to see and talk about some early signs of buyer fatigue. So, um, you know, th- this is people who have essentially given up and who have stepped back and uh, kind of left that post-it with their realtor and uh, asked them to report back to them when things kind of cool down and get a little bit more reasonable and uh, sane. So yeah, some buyer fatigue. We'll keep an eye on that and see how that unfolds in the coming months. Um, and then uh, as far as the interest rate, it's crazy to report other than since March 12th, the bond yields have come down uh, from 1.04% to 
where it sits as of the time of this podcast, which is a Saturday, the, what is it, the 20th today? And uh, it's currently at 1.01%. So just a small little tick downward, not big enough to even consider it downward. Just uh, it's plateaued for a couple of days. So that's that's good news. That's some stability in the interest rate front. Uh, and we'll continue to keep our eyes on that. And uh, just a reminder, as bond yields increase, theoretically interest rates should increase. So uh, we, we look at the bond yields and I'm going to be reporting on that on a weekly basis and uh, we're looking for three to four to five day trends of increases where we can then anticipate some mortgage rate increases as well. So uh, I'll be looking out for that. And finally, the next scheduled announcement for the Bank of Canada key overnight rate would be uh, Wednesday, April the 21st. So uh, I'll keep you posted on that as we uh, approach that date. Let's begin and discuss this week's newsletter titled Qualifying for a Mortgage Upon Your Arrival to Canada. Okay, so back in uh, October 2020, there was um, an announcement by the federal government that outlined the the uh, three-year schedule of um, acceptance of new, new newcomer residents, new permanent residents to Canada. And um, I thought, okay, well, you know, let's stay on top of this and talk about the mortgage qualification criteria for new Canadians. Um, so I'll, I'll get into that um, before I do. Let's just kind of go through these stats or these, uh, these figures first. So um, 401,000 new permanent residents will arrive in Canada in 2021. And uh, this is up from the previous target of 351,000. So that, that's a massive uh, <laughs> increased revision to that, that figure. Uh, in 2022, they're going to jump it up uh, to 411,000, up from the previous target of 361,000. And finally, in 2023, they're looking at about 421,000 um, new permanent residents coming to Canada. And this will be the highest immigration intake level since two, uh, 2000, since 1913. Hey there, just wanted to break away from the episode to give you a little background about my brokerage and give you an idea of the team behind me that helps get your mortgage completed without a hitch and on time. The brokerage is called Home Financing Solutions and it's a franchise of the Mortgage Center, which by the way is the pioneer of mortgage brokerages in Canada, established back in 1989. Back then, things were a little different. They used to take weeks to fund a mortgage and the application process was grueling and labor intensive. But that was then and this is now. The process of getting approved and into your home or prompt access to your equity is seamless and swift. Absolutely every step of our process features the latest technology to collect, gather, adjudicate, and safely store your information. The end result is speed, service, and quality solutions. But we also recognize that technology is only as good as the human that is operating it. So not only will you experience the best that technology has to offer, you can also expect personalized follow-ups from Kelly and Justin, who are valuable members of my team. The three of us love what we do and continuously look forward to taking your calls and helping you accomplish your real estate goals. Call or text me at 604-800-9593, 604-800-9593, or look me up at homefinancingsolutions.ca. One application, one credit check, and access to Canada's top lenders. And now, back to the episode. So, think about that. In the next 
two to three years, um, we're talking an increase of one million people. And and a lot of these uh, new permanent residents will be coming to Canada's three major cities, uh, Toronto, Vancouver, and, and Montreal, and then seep over into Calgary, Edmonton, Ottawa, Winnipeg. Uh, so this is huge. And, and this is one of the driving forces that I believe will sustain the, um, you know, the, the current hyper-thrusted real estate environment that we're currently on. And I'm not saying that we're going to be in a bidding war environment forever, but I think it's fair to say that demand for real estate in, um, in Greater Vancouver and uh, in Fraser Valley and in these parts and in other places across Canada, of course, will remain strong for the unforeseeable future. So, um, and, and also in that month, they also reported the government uh, that it's reopened its borders to international students attending approved colleges under new exemptions to COVID travel restrictions. So this includes all of Vancouver's major post-secondary institutes, UBC, uh, Simon Fraser University, BCIT, Capilano. And um, yeah, judging from the long list I, I read not long ago here, like it basically looked like it looks like every learning institute in the lower mainland. So um, this is also a big, big news and it will have a big impact on our condo inventory as well. So with a lot of the, uh, the students that come into Canada um, and, and in Vancouver, uh, this has a lot to do with the rental inventory and, and even on the purchase side as well. So an impact there. And according to immigration experts, like I said, most of these residents will migrate to Vancouver, Toronto and, and Montreal. And even beyond 2023, you can expect the inflow of new residents to continue uh, at somewhat at or near the current pace. And, and why wouldn't it? Especially when you consider that Canada has one of the world's oldest populations, with nearly 18% of its population being age 65 and over. Um, also, one of the lowest birth rates. Uh, like, we are clearly not replacing ourselves. Um, and the birth rate is 1.47 births per woman. So immigration will remain a key stimulant in supporting a growing economy and government spending. Um, here's a did you know little factoid here. Canada currently welcomes 0.9% of its population in, in immigrants, which is three times higher than the per capita newcomer intake in the United States. So this is, this is a big deal. Like immigration is part of our formula for growth. And it, 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 it massively affects real estate. Uh, and, and in some regions, more than others across Canada, it, it is a major impact. So um, this is definitely something that that got to keep our eyes on and be aware of um, and, and the impact that it will have on real estate. So as I started the this episode about the um, the the variables that that, you know, make up a lot of the predictions and the forecasting models that everyone, this is just another one of the wild cards that are in that. And, and personally, I, I look at all these variables, there's a ton of them. And, and the one thing that a lot of them share is that they all, I, I'd say majority of them contribute more towards a potential upswing in real estate than a potential downswing in real estate. Canada continues to be a very desirable place, um, and, and here in Vancouver, extremely desirable. 
And um, this is just part of our long-term play, and I think that every Canadian or, or every uh, Vancouverite needs to be aware of. Okay, so let's talk about mortgages for newcomers to Canada. And basically, what you need to know is that essentially it's the same qualification guideline for uh, new to Canada, newcomers to Canada, um, as it is for for Canadians, um, uh, Canadian citizens. Um, with the exception of uh, a few things, and that's what I'm going to talk about. So let's start with the first one. Minimum down payment thresholds vary anywhere from 5% to 35%, depending on one's residence status. So let's start with the permanent resident. Uh, permanent resident with standard income confirmation. So if, if you're here and you are employed, uh, generally, you would qualify as would a Canadian citizen with a minimum down payment of 5% to 10%. Uh, however, if you're a permanent resident that is not quite employed or you're transitioning or, you know, it's taken a few more months to get going, uh, you could still qualify for a mortgage, but the net worth will come into play. So you will require at least a down payment of 35%. Now, for a temporary resident, so this is like work permit or students, um, same thing, same qualification criteria, except a minimum down payment of 10%. And finally, for a non-resident, um, so this could be a Canadian citizen who is not residing in Canada, working abroad, or it could be a permanent residents um, or foreign residents that do not reside in Canada. Uh, for, for this classification, the minimum down payment is 35%. The newcomer must also have arrived in Canada within the following timeframes to be eligible for newcomer mortgage qualification. Otherwise, they will be subject to standard Canadian qualification guidelines. For permanent resident and landed immigrant, the eligible um, timeframe needs to be within a five-year period since arrival in Canada. For temporary resident, the eligible time frame is within a two-year period since arrival in Canada and at least a three-month job tenure. And finally, the remaining newcomer-friendly qualification criteria, credit history. Uh, many newcomers that arrive generally do not have any established credit in Canada. This would be a hard stop for any Canadian citizen application, but for a newcomer, alternate forms of creditworthiness are accepted. Um, as long as they still maintain their current resident status within the time frames I, I just mentioned. So basically, these alternate forms of creditworthiness are in lieu of what the standard is for current Canadian citizens, which is two credit facilities uh, for a two-year tenure and at least a credit limit of $2,000 for each credit facility. So basically, that could be like two credit cards that you've had for two years with uh, limits of $2,000. That's it. it. It's not like a, a crazy standard, unattainable standard. Um, it, it's quite simple. So um, for newcomers to Canada, in lieu of that, they could have one of the following. So the first one here, pretty simple, 12-month uh, history of you making rent payments in Canada. Uh, and also, the, typically, this is going to be verified through bank statements. And also within the bank statements, they're going to want to see that you have two regular monthly obligations um, to, to service some type of frequent payment. So that could be a utility statement or a car loan or cell phone. So they'd want to see that that's being deducted from your bank account uh, within a 12-month history, preferably every month. 
if that's uh, challenging, if you're able and not able to produce the, the rent history and the two regular monthly obligations, then banks will often revert to um, an increase of your down payment from 5% to 10%. And in addition to that, they're going to want to see the, the following requirements. So number one, a letter of reference from a recognized financial institution, so like your bank. And within that letter, it's going to outline the history and past credit experience. Uh, number two, six months of bank statements from a primary account. And from that account, they're, they're going to want to see the living expenses, such as the rental payments and, you know, like trips to the grocery store or whatever. They're going to want to see some sort of the, the transactions. Um, and of course, within these uh, bank statements, absolutely no evidence of financial difficulties. So if they see NSF charges, no sufficient funds and, and payments being returned because the balance in your bank was negative at the time and so on, um, that's going to be a detriment and it's going to be tough to qualify. And one other thing I forgot to mention, but if you come from a part of the world where uh, they have some solid report credit um, reporting, criteria. So, I mean, for example, if you come from the United States, it's quite easy to get a, a U.S. Equifax or TransUnion credit report, and it'll show your credit history when you were living in the U.S. or in England, um, and, and that'll be easy. You can come here and, and not even have credit, and, and you'll have a nice credit history, and you kind of flow in nicely into the guideline. But if you come from a part of the world where they don't have a reporting agency or it's very difficult to attain that credit report, um, then you have to you have to be aware of the system here, and you have to inquire with credit here, and that's where you kind of have to start over and build your two year track record. So in those cases, I think that the most important thing to remember when coming to Canada or arriving in Canada, um, it, it's credit. You have to establish your credit resume with the financial system here, and as soon as you can, you and your spouse uh, uh, inquire for credit. Um, those two pieces of credit and because the, the clock starts ticking at that point. So the longer that you wait, uh, the more behind you are. And as long as you do this within that five-year period of when you um, enter Canada, you can use these exceptions. But if you surpass that five-year period and you, don't, you still don't have established credit, then, I mean, you, you're now susceptible to the Canadian qualification standard. And, and again, like I said, that, that time doesn't, the clock doesn't start ticking until you've established your credit. So I can't stress that enough. Uh, upon entering to Canada, apply for credit. Okay, that's all I got for today. Call or text me anytime if you have any mortgage questions at all, especially if you're in British Columbia or Alberta, as I'm licensed to service these specific provinces. And especially if you are from Vancouver or Calgary, as I'm very familiar with these markets. Call or text me at 604-800-9593, or you can visit my website at homefinancingsolutions.ca. Thank you again for tuning in to Mortgage Genomics Canada. Stay well, everyone. Talk again soon.